Assalamualaikum everybody. Hope you're all safe, sound and healthy. And if you just heard some booming sound, that is because uh, one, that's why I really hate recording on my laptop because the voice recorder takes time to actually show me that it has started and in that process, it picks up the background noise before I actually begin to speak or before I know that I can speak in one sense. Uh, and at the same time also, the, the reason why I'm still use, uh, I've decided to uh, use my uh, Windows uh, voice recorder instead of my mobile, which I've been doing recently, is because the noise cancellation, you know, is still pretty much working uh, in Windows, where as opposed to the noise cancellation on my mobile, which doesn't work at all. Although, to be honest, when it actually put an update of, of the microphone, when Samsung did its last, the the, the 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 update before the last one, then there was noise cancellation, and I was loving it. And then they did another update, and they kind of removed it all, you know. So that that's a problem, and it is too hot to turn off the fans and everything. And I'm sorry, I cannot turn off the fan. It may be 36 degrees right now, even though it is 11:33 p.m. But I'm telling you, it's like 40. I'm still getting hot water. In the shower at this time of night when normally it actually cools down and becomes almost cold but because of water supply issues the, the water is basically coming from the tanky which means it's all hot water even at this time of the night so you can imagine how hot it is that it's so hot that you can literally feel the heat radiating off every single thing that you touch and you can feel the the heat in the air okay so it's practically hell um, but uh, there were a few things that I wanted to sort of uh, put out there because I had a very long discussion with my father on a number of things. And then there were, you know, these things that came out that I noticed that many people would be saying. So I thought that I could probably put in my two cents. Uh, for example, one of the things is that, uh, which Imran Khan himself had obviously said, is that uh, because people kept on saying that Imran Khan is our red line, um, so the government and the army deliberately, and he didn't say the army, he talked about the government, but I am saying the government and the army, uh, they deliberately uh, decided to push that button, you know. So they said, okay, Imran Khan is your red line, so we're going to now use that to our advantage. And we're going to create uh, a situation where we'll cross that red line and then we, on your behalf, would... Um, react to it as well and that is how we're going to trap him and that is exactly what he, they did that was a litmus test as we know of the core commander's house uh, but um, so yes in a way it is true that he was trapped and pushed into this situation but um, I do think that it has nothing to do with Imran Khan personally endorsing it out of fear of being arrested or anything because the fact remains Imran Khan is a person who doesn't even fear death a person who doesn't fear death cannot fear arrest. The whole thing that is uh, going on is that Imran Khan is just giving you a step-by-step -step, um, expose on what's going on. As you know, his life has always been an open book. Um, nothing has ever been hidden. And basically, he's just trying uh, to expose every single thing that they're doing or that they're planning to do so that if anything happens, then the world should not listen to their lies and fabrications. 
and the world should actually understand uh, exactly what happened and what led to what circumstances, which led to what consequence. So, for example, when he tells us that he knows that he fears an arrest, it's because he's found out about a conspiracy behind it or a plan, and he wants the he wants the world, especially the public of Pakistan, to know that this is what is happening. So, if something happens, know that that is a consequence of this. So, you know, that there is a conspiracy going on. So, I'm not going to commit suicide, for example. Understand that I'm under no depression. Understand that I'm not leaving the country. So, in other words, he's trying to tell us that if you get any such news, know it is false. Okay? So, that is why he's giving us a step-by-step -step narrative. He's giving us... Because he knows that the government is also creating a narrative. Um, uh, and as he said, and he's completely right, there are always two sides of a story, and it's the court's job to listen to two sides. But simply, similarly, the public right now is your um, judge and jury, and the public has the right to know both sides to the story to get the complete picture. So yeah, Imran Khan is not scared of any arrest. He's not scared of death. He's not scared of anything. He just wants it out there so that no other false narratives are produced although obviously the government will still continue producing false narratives and there will still be fools amongst us who will believe those narratives after all why else does a government create a narrative because they know that there are fools amongst the public um that's number one uh, number two okay talking about trap and being pushed um I, I would think that the actual entrapment and push was uh, letting Imran Khan become the Prime Minister. As we know, this is something that we all, as his uh, very old followers, supporters, voters, and members um, amongst the public even, we, we, um, we did ha find it very uh, suspicious that, because this was something Imran Khan was very, very well aware of. Um, if you remember his interview, uh, where he had very clearly said it, that if he managed to even win the elections without a two-thirds majority he would not join that government he would stay in the opposition maybe but he would definitely not join the government because he knows that that would be an engineering uh for collapse because he wouldn't be allowed to do his job which begs the question why did he then do the exact opposite of what he said he would do he won the elections. He clearly did not have the two-thirds majority in the parliament, um, but he still took the premiership. Why? Um, that is because, um, now that is where he was pushed. Um, you could say all the so-called veterans around him that transferred from other parties, you know, they, they had two reasons for doing that. There were two types of people uh, with him. As you know, uh, he had to let go of the original uh, PTI members and he had to give uh, seats to uh, those veterans, so-called veterans, some are real veterans anyway, from People's Party and from uh, Nawashif's party who had transferred to PTI. Now, there were two reasons why they transferred. One, because they saw that now he, if he was going to win the elections and they wanted a part in it and they wanted power and authority and a seat in the government again. And number two, uh, especially with the Nawashif uh, people, uh, they were sent there to ensure that they would start the conspiracy towards the collapse of the government to make sure he doesn't work, to make sure things go wrong. And so 
the, see, that's where Imran Khan again, as I know, uh, as you know, I mean, in my previous episodes, I have covered a, a few of the biggest mistakes Imran Khan ever made. So one of the mistakes that he made was going against his own nature and listening to all those around him. Because, see, the reason why the public picked Imran Khan and uh, the reason why they wanted him to be the prime minister, the reason why they supported him was because he was a man who didn't listen to others. He was a man who was, uh, he was a man of conviction. He was a man who knew what he wanted and how to go after it. So for that man to go against his very own nature and listen to these people, uh, that was his downfall, obviously. Um, they banked on it. Um, and in fact, he, that, that is where he went wrong. He should not have listened to others. He should have listened to himself. This is my own personal experience as well. Every time I listen to somebody else, I always get screwed over every single time. Even if I know that I'm going to get screwed over, just you know, just so that I could show them that okay, yeah, yeah, your you know your uh, comments, your opinions, your advice is the mean to me, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. So uh, that is actually what makes me listen to people, even though I know I shouldn't be listening to them, and it always, always goes wrong. But every time I decide, you know the heck with it i'm not listening to anybody i don't care if their feelings get hurt you know this is too important to me i'm going to do what i want to do and i'm going to do me and it always is it's always successful um never a hitch to be very honest seriously touch wood never a hitch but every single time i listen to somebody things go wrong so you know i could see that in him he had that same problem and he should have not listened to others so that was the real entrapment that was the real push that was where the conspiracy began. So it's, it's all a chain. It's, it's a whole chain. Um, okay, let him be prime minister without two-thirds majority and then start working on the inside, you know. Uh, and even now, you know, recently it has been said that there is somebody very close to him who actually is the one who stabbed him in the back. That person uh, in his party who he trusts the most um, is responsible for even what happened uh, gearing towards his arrest and after. And that person has been leaking uh, secret information to enable the illegal government to be able to get to him the way they got to him uh, successfully. So he needs to stop trusting people, uh, to be very honest. Uh, I know I don't trust people. I never trust people. Um, I always, always verify things uh, on my own and I don't depend on people. And I thought he was that he was the kind of person too. So it was a huge disappointment to see that he actually uh, is very trusting. That is not good. That is not the sign of a good leader, to be honest. Uh, although people think it is, but no, to me, no. Um, for a politician, yes, maybe, but for a leader, no. Again, I would refer to Jinnah, Qaeda Azam Jinnah. That's where another point comes in, where people believe that Jinnah too was pushed and trapped into making Pakistan. First of all, Pakistan is and was originally always a completely separate uh, state, you can say. The two-nation theory is as old as, as, as you know, or even older uh, than India itself. Uh, that is because India was never one country. You need to understand that India was never one country. There were many, many countries and they were always at war with each other, uh, which is why 
the Mughals intervened and which is why they ended up invading the whole of India and they united it as one, as we know. And because they were great builders, uh, the reason why India stayed united under them was because they used the resources, as I've said before. The, the reason why the Islamic empire was extremely successful is because they did not hoard uh, other countries' stuff, uh, unlike you know the, the, the Western countries. They took the resources from within those countries and used it to develop those countries. And that is why those countries were extremely developed of their time. And that is why the Europeans always wanted to sneak into those countries to see why and how they were so developed. Because remember, at that time, Europe was in dark ages and it was even beyond being a third world country. It was even worse than that. So the, uh, the secret of the Mughal Empire or the Muslim Empire in general was using the resources of the countries they ruled to develop those countries and to help those people live better lives, to you know raise the standard of living. And obviously there was a strict legal uh, system, a strict social welfare system as well. And so all of that led to a balanced uh, and well-developed society. But after colonization, when all these countries just broke apart and they the result was obviously because the British had implanted many of their people in strategic positions before leaving. Um, so Pakistan was essentially, uh, which they say was supposed to be a buffer state. Yes, Pakistan was supposed to be a buffer state because India did not want to deal with Afghanistan. And the UK obliged them by saying, okay, fine, we'll accept Pakistan. But you see, here's where things need to be understood again more. India wanted a buffer state, but they wanted that as an autonomous body, like how we had Quata. You know, Quata used to be a federally autonomous territory where they had their own jurisdiction, but they come under federal. So India was expecting Pakistan to be like that. Instead, Pakistan became a completely independent state. And so the UK had promised India that, don't worry, it's not for long. It will exceed back to you. We have, you know, ensured that in the future, at least, you know, 20 years or so, it will exceed back to you. But that again never happened. Even now, India is working with the US and the UK because they're still, you know, uh, giving them that dream that don't worry, we remember our promise and Pakistan will eventually exceed to you, even in the form of an autonomous body. So it will remain as a puffer state, but it will be under your control. So that is why, again, the workings are being pushed. Uh, but Pakistan is not artificial. Geographically speaking, it's not an artificially drawn country. Geographically speaking, it always was a separate country. Again, if you look at the at the two-nation theory, you will understand why it was, it was uh, there. It's because it is a fact that the... This part of uh, the subcontinent, which is now Pakistan, if you look at the old civilizations, as you know, the ancient civilizations of Harappa and Ranjidaro, the Indus civilization, the Indus Valley civilization, it was all here in Pakistan. And that will tell you that the race is different. So the race here is predominantly Aryans because it was the Aryans, you know, the, who started on this side. And they are the ones who, being nomadic that they are, they traveled all the way, you know, through Asia and Europe. But uh, this is, again, one of their settling points, you know. So in India, you have predominantly Dravids. And in Pakistan, you have predominantly Aryans, right? 
So that is why, yes, we are, uh, our ethnicity is not the same. That and uh, the fact that our uh, civilizations historically are not the same. So yes, I remember again, India was completely, it wasn't one country, it was completely separate different small states and countries that were always fighting each other. So yes, this part that is Pakistan, geographically, it always was a completely separate place. Um, it is true, yes, that Punjab should have extended to Delhi because originally Punjab does extend to Delhi. And it is true that Bihar, Assam and all should have been part of the Greater Bengal, which should have been a separate state because originally it was a separate state as well. And the fact that the Biharis who sacrificed the most and were most loyal to Jinnah in the fighting for Pakistan, the fact that they are the ones who lost the most, as I keep on saying, you know, that this country was basically stolen from those who fought for it. Um, this country was hijacked by the traitors and the those who were opposed to Pakistan, you know. And this was, uh, in India and the UK had a huge hand behind it. Uh, and the Biharis suffered the most in that because uh, they were the ones who fought for this country and then they ended up having no place in Bangladesh and they had, uh, ended up having no place in Pakistan. And despite the fact that Imran Khan's government was working to towards uh, a conclusion here, what this government has done now is it has commanded Nadra uh, to uh, ensure that Biharis are stamped as non-Pakistanis. The the one I mean the one the Biharis are the ones who in any and every case uh, cannot be stripped from uh, being nationals of Pakistan. If anything, they deserve to be called Pakistanis more than anybody else. Uh, not even the people uh, who call themselves Mahajir can really uh, compare to the Biharis, okay? Because the Biharis were the ones who were most loyal and who fought alongside Jinnah. Uh, whereas all these others who just suddenly traveled to Pakistan, many of them who have hijacked Pakistan in the form of the establishment, the army and the government, um, they were anti-Pakistan. So... Jinnah, you know, he realized that India was never going to uh, allow a united India, which he worked for. He realized that Alam Iqbal was right when Alam Iqbal had also reached that conclusion. Because Alam Iqbal also, yes, chanted about united India, which the Indian anthem, as we talked about uh, in our discussion, uh, not me and you, but I mean, uh, prior to the podcast, so, yes, it is a fact that uh, the National Anthem of India is Alam Iqbal's poetry. Um, but again, Alam Iqbal had very early on realized that the two-nation theory actually has merit. And at the end of the day, there will be no choice but for another country to be built upon the ideology of Islam as a separate free country where people can practice their religion, even if it's not Islam, freely. Um, because he could see that India would never accept a united India because that would just mean that because the Muslims were in a clear majority and they were extremely powerful. So a united India would mean that the Muslims would just get back into power and back into ruling India because they're the majority and they were the elites um, and uh, they were the ones in power. Um, so India wanted a, a Hindu country, uh, and uh, so they created that rift 
and they deliberately pushed Jinnah towards uh, the idea of Pakistan. Yes, it is true. But don't think that Jinnah was not aware of it. Jinnah was very well aware of the mechanisms within the Congress. And he mentioned that. He mentioned these mechanisms and he mentioned the fact that at the end there would be no choice but to demand for a separate country. And again, um, I don't know if I've said this in my previous episodes or not, but initially uh, he was uh, working towards two separate states, uh, one which is now Bangladesh and the other is Pakistan. And the only reason that they had to unite uh, and work under the banner of one state was because um, that too was being made difficult for them. They realized that if they worked on two se- on the two separate states, um, first of all, they could lose to uh, the Hindu extremists and uh, they could also lose to the conspiracy going on of further division. So in order to prevent that, Kaidiyazm and uh, the leaders working towards uh, Bengal as a separate state, they both joined forces with the understanding that later on they could separate again, which eventually they did, but in a very unfortunate way. But actually, yes, um, Bangladesh and Pakistan were really never supposed to be one country initially. The whole fight that Qaidiyazm Jinnah fought and the Bengal, the, if you talk to the Bangladeshis, they will tell you that yes, they respect Jinnah because the, he did uh, fight with them so that they could gain their own country and that they are aware of the fact that Bangladesh was always supposed to be a separate state. It's just that they ended up joining forces so that they could just get, you know, get down to it, in other words, you know, just get a move on and finish this thing as cleanly and quickly as possible without any bloodshed. And this is why they, you know, worked under the one state banner at the end um, to, you know, to ensure the two states get independence immediately at the same time without having to go through another struggle. So the struggles together to reach the end destination together. But then as it happened, Bangladesh uh, stayed true to West Pakistan until uh, 1971 when the strife uh, that the Indians took advantage of and America took advantage of actually because America was uh, losing so badly in Vietnam it needed uh, a place to fall on and it decided to use Bangladesh. So it fell upon Air Pakistan and Bangladesh. Uh, and that is how the whole unfortunate incident that was begun by political strife was taken advantage of by America and India. And they created uh, the rift. Uh, so they basically added fuel to the fire and ensured a war between uh, East and West Pakistan, which eventually divided them. But this division, as I said, was uh, in any case supposed to happen because it started off with fighting for two separate countries, two separate states, and then they joined forces with the understanding that once they reached their destination, they would part again. Uh, because it was not feasible in any way. Now, here is where the ge- geography comes in. It's not feasible geographically for East and West Pakistan to remain as one country because one is on the other side of India, the other is on the other side of India. India is in between the two of them. How could you remain one country? In fact, it's a miracle that they remained one country till 1970, to be very honest. It's, it's really a miracle. And I think that had a lot to do with their um, loyalty for each other uh, for and their loyalty for Qaeda Azam, uh, Jinnah, and that is why they remained 
uh, even exceeding their political seat to uh, West Pakistan, saying that okay, West Pakistan could be the you know the the capital uh, seat, you know, uh, where the government could uh, reside. In other words, uh, if Bhutto had not created that strife, then uh, they could have probably tolerated a lot more. But I think it is to their advantage, and it was a good decision that Bangladesh got made because, as I said, originally Bangladesh was supposed to be a separate country. So that is where we are now uh, understanding. Although I might be oversimplifying it, but I like to kind of oversimplify things so that people can understand the gist, the root. I like to go to the root of things, and the root is always very simple. Remember that. things can get very complicated but the root cause is always something very simple so pakistan was again at the end of the day uh, whether there is entrapment or whether there was a push or whether there was anything it doesn't matter at the end of the day pakistan was going to be born pakistan was going to be created because there was no other choice there could be no other choice because the hindutva uh, uh, you know india would not have wanted it any other way because again you know before leaving the british had promised the hindus that yes you will get your own country where you can be dominant and they realized that the whole india put together could never bring them that because the whole india put together would mean once again that the muslims would dominate because the muslims were a clear majority and in clear power so Yes, in any case, no matter how you try to put it, um, Pakistan was meant to be. Pakistan was meant to be born. The problem arises with the hijacking of Pakistan. That's where the problem occurs. The problem occurs with the British leaving their minions in Pakistan, their fifth columnists, and uh, you know because they knew that Qaidazm did not have long to live. And obviously, they ensured that later on, his sister, the other remaining founder. would be killed they also made sure that liaquatai would be killed one of the other founders so they they had already you know put in line they had already set in line that anybody and everybody who could have uh, control over the destiny of the country the, the ones who envisioned this country the original makers of this country they should not live and then only would they be able to control this buffer state so there it is so at the end of the day uh pakistan is meant to be uh, whether you like it or not and pakistan uh would always be geographically and ethnically separate from india whether you like it or not and the point is that now pakistan is here and what are we going to do with this country that is the point the the young people of this country uh, are in clear majority but we are still being dominated and governed by the minority such is our fate and because of that the young the young generation or my generation basically which i keep calling young but to be honest we're no longer young now because now they're uh, the next generation is already popped up and they're in their 20s we are touching 40s um so Yes now my generation is is the one that has kept its eyes open and the the one that has rebelled really and it is my generation that has begun this this you know the what the fudge uh 
phase. But the problem is that once again, we are overpowered and overshadowed by those old minority, the, 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 the people who are old in age as well as in thinking, as well as in menta mentality, and they are a minority. They are those people who are still still entranced in their own slave mentality while thinking that they are the ones who got out of it. I'm sorry, but you are not out of that slave mentality because you're still in it and you're so steeped in it that you don't even realize it. And the fact can be proved by you running around thinking that it's okay for the government to be corrupted. It's okay for you to have been subjected to different forms of slavery through People's Party or Navashri's Party or any other party, be it uh, a religious party or a non-religious party, a secular party or a communist party, but in any case, you're all slaves to it. But see, that is where, where it becomes different when it comes to PTI's members. The PTI members um, would even question Imran Khan directly if they feel he's doing something wrong. And we did, as you can see. I think some of the most vocal people um, during Imran Khan's premiership some of the first people to raise their voices in concern and criticism were PTI's own members and the voters and supporters of PTI. You will never find that amongst the uh, supporters of uh, any of the parties of PDM, any of the parties that form P PDM, be they People's Party or uh, Navashri's Party or whichever. It doesn't. You won't find that there. The only party where you will find uh, uh, people being vocal against their own leader, even though they love him dearly, is PTI. So that is why we keep standing the whole Pakistan, basically, um, the majority of the population of Pakistan, which is the youth of Pakistan. The reason why they still stand by Imran Khan, despite the fact that they have been extremely peed off by his mistakes and they've been extremely critical of him, is because we know what's what and we are no, we're not ready to compromise anymore because we have suffered huge damages and huge losses. The damage incurred upon our generation will last for the next three to five generations. Why? Because the system is so deep-rooted in corruption, the people are so deep-rooted in corruption that they prefer to just keep quiet and shut their eyes and say nothing and stay silent because they feel they don't have the power uh, to fight against these people who are above us, these fifth columnists, these traitors. But you see, this is a never-ending struggle. Any country that ends up being complacent will end up losing. And that is how we lost. Uh, the generation above us was complacent. You know, uh, they let things go the way they were going, thinking that, you know, okay, so what can we do? Let's, let's just, you know, go pass through this phase. And then again, let's just pass through this phase. And this is how... Uh, 60 years passed, you know, and the last 40 years were extremely damaging. Why? Because if the public had curbed um, this beginnings of treason and corruption right at the start when Fatma Janah was killed, if the public had curbed it then, um, we would have been on a different direction. Or even if the public voiced uh, its its disagreement with Riyadh Ali Khan saying that, hello, we don't want any alliance with anybody. We need to be neutral. You see, as even now, you can see that the 
the, the countries that have uh, lived well, uh, that have benefited the most in this world are those that are neutral. Look at Switzerland, look at Sweden, look at Norway. They're neutral and that is why they have been able to focus on their own countries without any political greed, without any corruption, because they're not part of the geopolitics that we decided that it was necessary for us to be a part of. Why? I mean, why on earth? In fact, being the padlock of Asia, if we had remained neutral, then we would have been extremely powerful. And that is why the U.S. extended towards us this, this alliance, because they knew that a powerful padlock of Asia is a no-go. And we the idiots, you know, we just decided, oh, America's calling us, so yeah. America doesn't have alliances. You need to understand that. America has no allies. It only has countries that it has to make sure to keep under control. This is what I keep on saying in every single episode of my of my podcast lately. But I mean, it is a fact. It's a historical fact. It's a geopolitical fact. Um, it it is a, you know it is something that we cannot turn a blind eye to because turning a blind eye to all of this is what has put us to this point uh i think i think one of the worst things is knowing what's going to happen and not being able to do something about it uh you end up resenting god really because when when you when you're seeing things that other people refuse to see and not because not because uh they cannot see in most cases it is that people just refuse to see so that they shouldn't have to take the responsibility of doing anything about it then it leads to this kind of madness that we're in today, where now everybody knows exactly what's going on, but now nobody is in that power or, or position to be able to do much. You know, we've come, we're basically on the no turning back point already, I think, because, hey, listen, even if Imran Khan, okay, even if he does manage to come back unscathed, uh, alive, you know, and he's back in power, how many years does he have? You know, the examples that he gives of, you know, uh, Turkey and Malaysia and Indonesia, I think in that he keeps on forgetting. Um, those people had a lot of time. The system gave them time. They created a system to give them time. Um, the Turkish president is probably going to come back for a third term. And he already has very long terms, you know. So... In our country, the system is set where you don't even have four years, really. Uh, and the army doesn't even allow you to complete those four or five years because they will start uh, creating a situation in which they will get you toppled or ousted for one way, one reason or the other. So no single government in Pakistan has ever really completed its term. And first of all, it's a very short term. Well, thankfully, actually, it's a short term, I guess. But now, I mean, if you want to actually build your nation uh, at this point, Imran Khan would need a lot of time, which our system does not guarantee. Plus, you need to understand Imran Khan is now old in the sense that he has spent 22 years, the prime of his life, fighting for a country that never really deserved it, fighting for what you could say a lost cause. The reason it's a lost cause is, again, again, the same thing. We've been steeped in this crap for 60 years at least, which means that from the day Pakistan was born, the conspiracy to derail it had already begun at the same time. And people and chess pawns were put into place and the game had already begun. 
and we are reaching to the fruition point of it. You understand? And he tried to stop it. He caught on to it 22 years ago, tried to start the struggle to stop it. But as you can see, because our people were still living in la-la land and still living in the past where they thought, just, just, you know, just keep quiet and turn a blind eye and everything will pass you by. And so it took the people 22 years to get to the point where Imran Khan was 22 years ago. Because of that, we're already very late. Because now they're harassing him and hounding him, which means he's got even less a time, which is exactly what they want. So they want to delay and stall and waste as much time as they can so that the fruition towards which they are reaching is actually accomplished. And that is actually what is going on here. So we are towards the completion stage at this point and they could not afford to delay it any longer which is why they ousted him so yes even if he does come back the damage done uh, already the damage done when he became prime minister was already so bad it would take another 50 years to turn it back and our public uh, the the fools amongst our public as in not the majority because the majority has woken up to these facts but you know we still have those idiots you know who seem to want to still continue living in that dream la-la land. And they're thinking that, oh, no, he, he screwed the nation. Your nation was screwed. You woke up to the fact 60 years later. What do you expect him to do? The amount of crap that you put cannot be flushed down the drain. 60 years worth of crap cannot be flushed down the drain in three years. You need another 50 years to clean the toilet. You understand? It doesn't matter how much acid you throw into the bowl. It doesn't matter how much, how many bottles of sweep and ducks you put in. You will still end up with a dirty toilet bowl because it has amassed 60 years worth of crap. It doesn't go overnight. It takes time. Because your foundations are rotted. Because right from the start, the foundations were gnawed on. So you already have a rotting foundation. You cannot build a house on a rotting foundation. You need to first break that foundation, clear the debris, prepare the land all over again from scratch, recreate a foundation, and then build upon it. And that is what Pakistan is supposed to be doing. And that is what Imran Khan does not have the time to do. He has he tried to start the process, but listen, even starting the process, he knew, he realized that that could not be done. So he thought, okay, let's just try to work on the rotten foundation somehow, you know, and, and hope for the best. But you can't do that. You just can't. Our country is already sitting on rotten foundation. You need to completely destroy that foundation if you want to totally rebuild your country. And that will take another 50 years. And that's it. So this is me signing out. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay blessed. Good night.